You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. Justin Poulin, John Duke, we made an attempt at coming back a little while ago, and it didn't go so well, but here we are with basketball. We would have been back a week ago, but I was on vacation, enjoying myself, and John, I know we talked about potentially trying to even record. It's a good thing we didn't. The internet at the rental uh, was miserable, uh, but not so miserable because they had cable, so I was able to watch the Friday night game that the Celtics played against the Milwaukee Bucks, I guess maybe miserable a little bit there, and then uh, was home by Sunday to watch the game against the Portland Trail Blazers. And, um, yeah, so I don't want to return from long absences complaining about the refs, buddy. Um, and so I'm going to try not to. And it's not really our thing, right? We used to have this. This caller, who's ironically an official nowadays, and uh, the Scotsman, he used to complain a lot about the officials. And we bring it up every every once in a while when you and I kind of get a little irritated, just a little irritated. Mm-hmm. And I understand trying to bring this game back, uh, you know, with a bang, and, and I can see why the NBA would not want their major star player in the Eastern Conference and Giannis to foul out of the first game back. I get it. But uh, Marcus Smart is correct. Jalen Brown is a riot. And uh, that was a scam. They got they got hosed, man. They And I'd say they got hosed a little bit on Sunday, too. I thought there was, there was a number of calls that didn't go their way on Sunday. But, man, I mean, they, look, I wouldn't say the Celtics won that game Monday night and it got taken from them. I wouldn't say that. But I Friday would say, night or Sunday Friday, night? I'm sorry, Friday night, Friday night. Yeah. What I would say, though, is that what was taken from them was the opportunity to win that game. 
Right. You know, I, I'm not going to say, oh, it, it decided the outcome. I don't think the Celtics play. I think they made a number of mistakes on Friday night. I thought that obviously Tatum's performance was difficult to overcome. Uh, you know, they had some good performances from Smart. I thought Kemba played great in limited minutes, you know, just in terms of quickly encapsulating that. But really the issue to me was a number of calls that went against them, not just in the fourth quarter, but really throughout the game that seemingly set you know set a tone for how that game was going to be called and and how that how it was going to be played and unfortunately it felt like there was two different interpretations of of what was being asked of the players on the court and i mean the the one that gets me is is it's not the block charge situation with 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 smart which obviously was infuriating and um you know I you know, is there enough there to overturn? You know, I don't think so, but whatever. It's it's it was the goaltend, the non-call on the goaltend. Yeah. yeah, that's the one that killed me because that was a five-point swing, and without that, I think things look a lot different at the, as they go down the stretch. Well, and if it, it, the goaltend, but then if Giannis had fouled out, um, then you'd be talking about a totally different game. I mean, so. I don't want a game to be decided with a star player out, but when a star player gets seven fouls, eight fouls, you know, it becomes ridiculous. And what should have happened is the Celtics should have, cause they were in foul trouble early too. Right. And, and so they should have just countered. They should have made the, the NBA foul out every player in foul trouble at that point on that team. Um, cause there were multiple. So right at, I mean, cause that's when it gets ridiculous. That's the one thing that if you're going to criticize this team, in my opinion, is you're going to give them some flack for just not coming back at teams and officials like that. Like once they see it not going the, their way, you got to go – I mean, I'm not saying egregiously go for the foul out, but you've got to – everybody with five fouls has got to move into position for a block. Instead of instead of shying away from it, force it, force it, force it. It's the one thing that hopefully soon enough this team will get, but with as many players with as much talent as they have, which we saw when Jalen Brown, yes, Tatum, rough start to game two, winds up lighting on fire – but then Jalen's really the one that won that game. I mean, yeah. no way around it. All the shots that he made, big shots, hand in his face, just a little bit of room. Love the double, you know, pump in the middle. So uh, tough. So tough. Yeah, some really tough shots. Lots of composure for a guy that was criticized for not being a shooter. And if there is a Jalen Brown criticism through two games, it's free throws. But, um, but, but for a guy who wasn't supposed to be a shooter, man. Has he figured out a way to be a shooter? And and I just when it, when you look at that, um, there's enough players on this team to go back to putting pressure on the officials. That if the game's getting away from you like that anyway, you might as well. Yeah. You might as well. I, I think that's an old man thing that that we talk about. I think that's like uh, you know <laughs> because we're old men now. Well, well, no. What I what I <laughs> we mean were is, young when we started this job. We were. <laughs> Says more about the internet than us, I think. Uh, I, no, I think that you know that's something that, like a mature a mature player would understand. Is right. What I mean. 
a mature player, a LeBron at this stage recognizes the situation. A Chris Paul recognizes the situation. Usually that's an old man thing to figure out. Young players don't that they miss that. But what I but well, well for two well, reasons well, though. Well, for two reasons because the they don't get any though, respect. They seem they to don't find a way to yet. spend a lot of time on the pump fake get guy, get a guy foul and shoot the, like we've we've or we that one everyone knows. It's not just a hardened thing. Everybody and their brother can do that one. But the simple thing that you and I are talking about here, that that should be like that's a coaching thing, yes, but it's also just an instinct thing to me. Is like he's got five, let's go at him. I mean, I don't know. Is that it? Maybe is it, maybe it's not an old man thing. I don't know. I just it feels like that's something old, old guys like you and I say talk about. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe that's a '90s basketball thing. I don't know. But it's it feels might to be me. the game was a lot more physical then. Um, you know, and it led to a lot more altercations than you see nowadays too. But, um. But yeah, the game was was more physical in that era, and I I think it is kind of an old. It's it's also representative of our upbringing. Like nobody talked about bullying when you and I grew up. Now it's like a major focal point, right? So I'm just not sure that these younger players, just in general, have the same kind of Kevin Garnett type attitude, and and it's part of the reason I loved. You know, what did Garnett say? When they got the win, you know, we punched the bully in the mouth and, and that's kind of when, when, uh, especially in the officials have their role in all this, I get it. But if you're going to let the bully punch you in the mouth, you're going to keep getting punched in the mouth. And, And I just, instead of seeing smart, get a fine for complaining on one, one call, I almost like want to say, just go all in. Get a bunch of guys fouling out and then put the pressure on the NBA. Make it so that, you know, the Monday morning quarterbacks, the ESPNs and everybody has a real story to run with. Because if you want to change the narrative about the, how the officials treat you and your other players on your team with respect to fouls, make it, make it be a topic. Make it be a point of conversation because when you've got five fouls and you don't foul out, it's not a point of it's not a point of contention. And believe me, that's the foul the officials don't want to call for that reason. So that's why you've got to do it. You've got to do it so that you get the NBA re- officials respect and that you put them in that position where they see you as that kind of a player, and then all of a sudden you're going to get the benefit of the doubt on calls one, two, three, and 4, and not just on number 5, because when they're reluctant, it starts to set into their mind. And I I realize they look at film, and I get all that. But the point is, the more you put it in front of their face, especially when they're making bad calls on the other players, they can look at it over and over and say, oh, you know, we, we shouldn't have fouled Marcus Smart out or Jalen shouldn't have fouled out of that game. I can see where three of those fouls weren't good. That's fine. But they're not even looking at the honest ones, you know, and I, and they are now. But I'm talking about the cumulative ones. And if he's only at four or five and then they let a couple go, you've got to force the issue. So, well, let's talk, I mean, well yeah, but OK, yes. And, and let's talk, let's talk about individual players. What the hell did Daniel Tice do to the NBA officials? Oh. They what is going it. on? Like, okay, there's the one where he brushes, I can't remember who it is, Lopez, maybe? Lopez's leg, uh, as he's coming down, it gets they get an and one out of it. 
the the play with Nurkic somehow that becomes a foul on Tice on from Sunday. Um, and how many times do they roll into a jump ball for no reason? Right. I mean, honestly, uh, we got they got the the Celtics Celtics organization needs to do something about this because yeah, they need to address the, it. The guy is getting victimized, and then Coach Bud running his mouth after the game, being like, "Well, I think there was some." Oh, oh, some uh, you know WWE stuff when he gets punched in the nuts and yeah. by Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I don't think Giannis was intentional. I don't think it was quote unquote a malicious. No, but they act. let him get away with that elbow. He's got this hugely right. long wingspan, right. and he already can create tons of extra space between with his athleticism. The fact that three steps for him gets him from the three point line to the hoop, and 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 that's God given stuff. That's right. But when he can use right. That chicken wing, which he definitely filled out in his years in the NBA, when he can use that chicken wing to push somebody off and create space and then have a physical advantage, come on. That's an offensive foul. Mm-hmm. Offensive foul every single time. Nobody's allowed to do that. And the only reason he got called for one of those is because Smart, wisely, smartly, uh, took the hit and really fell back out of it. and. And, and, you know, kind of acted the part because but he that's had, what they don't want. They're trying right, to discourage right. the acting, but that's exactly. what it takes to get the call. So, yeah. you know, let's let's work on being a little bit more consistent. You know, Tice is definitely not people are not realizing how good he is, is one of the issues, because they think that he's the benefactor of everybody else on this team being so good in the depth. And that's why I say you got to force the issue because you do have the depth. And mm-hmm. and especially with, you know, Kemba returning to full minutes, they'll have that luxury. Because um, Smart is playing on fire. Boy, is he killing it. One last official, the, the Portland game, which we're not complaining about as much because they won. But like the backcourt back violation, like the same stuff and i remember texting you on friday night during the milwaukee game and i'm like am i already complaining about the officials this is horrendous <laughs> and it was before the Giannis call right, right, right. it was before i that. feel like it was first half we were compl- i mean it was probably first yeah, half yeah and, and look so the I left didn't alone play on well, sunday because but... i couldn't take it i couldn't no. take it i was like i gotta just stop and yet we've spent what the first 20 minutes of the episode on this well yeah i look i think all things considered, if we walked out of the first two games and take a step back from it and be one on one, we'd be happy. Yeah. We'd be happy with one on one. I think what what's frustrating is just not having the opportunity that they should have had to get a second. You know, is that greedy? I don't know. I don't really care. All I know is the Celtics are, are in a in a fight for playoff seating. Not so much home court, but playoff seating in terms of who's where. And, you know, I think you want to try to climb to two. And maybe that won't happen, but I think you want to play well. Does it really well. matter, though? Does it, does it really matter where there is no real home court? I mean, what do you get? You get well, the Boston Celtics logo and the TD, lo- yeah. TD Garden logo. and, and you, get that's home. you get Deuce on the, on the video yeah. board behind you, get, you and Paul Pierce. advertising. That was fantastic. <laughs> I love how they, how they were like, what's he doing on the end? You don't That's put right. him on the end. You have, have mid-court. <laughs> Come on now. That's and they do legend. pump in the noise. You know, they pumped in the crowd noise. I don't know if they augmented a little bit for the home crowd, the home team. They, but did, it, they did Eddie Palladino's uh, uh, intros, too, which was kind of nice, you know. Uh-huh. So it, they have that kind of home court. But you're right. I don't think it matters. I think – and they do the, the, the same uh, – Which means music. seating doesn't really matter except – 
who you're playing. Which is the, mo- which is the most difficult path, yeah. Right. Because home home court is such an advantage for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And so you know, when we when this season paused, we were talking very much about can they get that second seed? We need them to get the second seed. You know, they need to be at home every game unless they're playing Milwaukee. You know, I mean, every series unless they're playing Milwaukee. And and now it's like, nah. Do you want to play Indiana? Do you want them to play Philly? Depending on how the seeding plays out, what's the bracket? And I'll and I'll be honest with you, we're gonna have to see how it plays out with the officiating. But without the, you, you can't play without fans. But if there is no true home court advantage, it makes upset and spoiler a much bigger reality. What do you mean by that? What do you mean upset and, and spoiler? Well, I feel like if you've got home court and you're Milwaukee, you know, it's definitely going to help you versus playing, you know, potentially four games in Boston, you know, but it definitely oh, I see owns mean. down that advantage to a point where, you know, you're not even, it's not even about sleeping at home. You know what I mean? Like the night before the big game, you know, home with your family in your own bed, whatever, instead of in a hotel. Like I know those are all minor things. And I know anybody who is a really championship caliber team, they'll tell you it doesn't matter. It matters. Mm-hmm. It absolutely matters. On some level, it matters. It matters. It impacts you mentally, you know, everything else. And so I think, I, I think, I think the seating doesn't matter. And I think it's much more open to, you know, a level, a more even playing field in the postseason. Well, I, I think you're right. Uh, what I, but what I would also say is I think that there's an advantage for the three games that you are home, even in a situation where you're, um, you know, you, you know, you really have to steal one, right? So in a situation where you are, maybe the less talented team, what have you, when you have a, a home court like Boston's, you feel really, really good about those three games. Right. You got to get one other one that doesn't have that good feeling. You know, um, on the other hand, you're right. I mean, to have four at home, yeah, that'd be better. But for Boston, for a team where the team, the fans show up, it's also, I think there's. It hurts the Celtics. It does hurt the Celtics. It hurts the Celtics because that could be a motivating force for them to beat Milwaukee because Milwaukee's fan base isn't as strong. If you're Miami, this doesn't matter at all. This is great. This is normal. Right, exactly. If you're (laughs) Boston, you've lost, you know, a huge support for three games, a maximum of three games a series. You know, is it one last situation? But there's a counterpoint. I would if I'm playing Philly and I'm the three seed. I'm feeling really, I'm feeling pretty good about having game seven in Boston. That's all I mean. Yes. Yeah, so, so yes. And there's another side to it. Not having the fans when you're on the road is yeah. an appreciable difference. Sure. And so, uh, you know, as much as that's a lift, you know, mm-hmm. not having it when you're not home, especially yeah. if you don't have home court advantage can be. A drop off. How many times have we seen them go on the road and just play totally flat? And then they come back home and they still play flat to start the game. And we're like, that's it. They blew it. They got nothing. It's over. They stake the opponent, you know, a 20 plus point lead. And then they come back in the third quarter, explode and wind up stealing the game at home. The question is, 
did they steal that game at home because of the home crowd or did they <laughs> did they kind of go flat because they didn't have it and then they come into the home game with the expectations and everything else and then they come out flat because they know they ha- it's a must win and these 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 are the psychological factors that we really won't know that at the end of the day, none of us will be able to decide even at the end of the postseason. We won't know. There's a lot of, there's so many different factors to way, the way this is playing out. Here's another thing. Um, when you look at the other sports that are trying to come back, like football, um, you got to think that the NBA did it right. And I realize it's not necessarily, they have a luxury of being able to do it this way, which, Football really doesn't have this luxury, I don't think. Um, they do both, both do very well with television ratings and advertising. So I think they both could survive and will survive with empty, empty stands. No problem. Not no problem, but given the fact that no basketball equals no revenue, I think they will, I think they will survive this. But the NBA did it really well testing everybody and they get to have everybody in a bubble, right? This bubble thing. That really only hockey can do. Baseball can't really do that. Maybe baseball could do it. But it's a lot of players is the real issue. It has a lot to do with accommodations to keep them in a bubble. And the size of an NBA team makes this possible. Absolutely. 17 per, you know, uh, five players, a smaller playing surface. You know, I mean, how many baseball fields do you have that could hold a major league team? Right. You know, on Major League Court, whereas you just need 94 feet. <laughs> you know, I mean, 90 feet, 94 feet of hardwood, and you're and you're 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 halfway there. Um, and yeah. the length of the games. You know, that's yeah. another one. When you sure. look at the actual duration of games, the NBA can fit a lot more. You know, into a day. I mean, baseball. Geez, some of those games are going four hours now, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's I, just yeah. long. I mean, they have made some changes to the to the game to try to make it a little bit more a better fit, I guess, for today's consumer. But yeah, it's it's brutal. And so the NBA is they've got the bubble, you know, program. They've I mean, they seem to have somewhat figured up how to, how to do all this. Who knows what's going to happen at the start of the regular season for twenty for twenty twenty one? But at least for if the end of this smart, season, I feel pretty good it. about it. Go go to go to tournament style, and and bring them in for short spurts with testing prior, and then let them return to their normal lives. You know, maybe do some practicing. You know, keep the practice facilities open in Boston. You know, do some temperature scanning, and then you know everybody take does their best. But you you just do a tournament style because you can't go to a regular season. It's the travel is the issue. The travel is multiple points of exposure or potential exposure that limits this whole thing. And you can't have a regular season, even if it was 60 games, and quarantine everybody and then let them go home before the playoffs and get a break. And you can't tag on a whole postseason to even a 60-game regular season and expect all those people to be isolated from their families. Best thing to do is go to tournament style. Let everybody in, total round robin, you know, double elimination, in spurts. Maybe they play, you know, maybe they maybe they play one month and two off and one month and two off. 
you know, and they practice in between. People get healthy. They get rest. It would really reduce the impact on their bodies. The issue you're really going to run it, the thing that gets all screwed up in everything, it's the draft. The draft is is going to be it. players trying to come into the league and then have some level of normalcy if, you know, there is a vaccine and everything else comes together. Like, would they even go back? Or would they stay in tournament style? And how does that just totally shape the game? Well, it, they've talked about having a number of different bubbles, like mini bubbles or pods, I guess. You know, having three or four of them and play out that pod and then mix everybody up and play out a different pod. Um, you know, try to have smaller bubbles. I I think we're going to know a lot more in September. they got to go tournament. They're going to lose They're gonna lose the excitement. Watching them play the same I don't teams think so. in a I pod. I don't think so. No, yeah, you know, but if you know, if you had like let's say eight teams or something like that, I think it could work. I think you know, I mean, I, I think it would be. You so know, why not like, make the pod a tournament, right? Like how many teams? Well, you need to fit in so many games. For, yeah, you know, you're gonna fit in these for TV. You're gonna need to get so many games for TV. So, um, and you're gonna need to get so many games so that way you can sell something. So that then you can actually pay the players. So that's the you other still issue. Still do it tournament style. This is well, maybe, but I mean, I I just the tournament style means that it comes to an end quicker, right? I mean, you would be no because you have these separate pods. It's tournament style. The pods then come into the next one. Whoever went to the finals gets doesn't even play the first pod, right? So you can get the numbers to work out with the size of the pods, and then so you but you do like. You know, quadruple elimination. Like, you can still play the same amount of games, but they should be playing to keep themselves alive. So then the ratings go up as yeah, the you, field dwindles, and maybe yeah, you but, have you know two of those in a year. But if they dwindle, then you've got some players that are going to play, like, what, like 16 games or something. So that wouldn't be probably great, I would think. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. say you're the Knicks. Oh, you're right. It needs to be small, single elimination tournaments, and they just need to keep cranking it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I just think it's gonna be, it's gonna be more difficult for next season for sure. But yeah. with what they've done so far, I mean, kudos to them because they've done something that baseball clearly hasn't come close to being able yeah. to do. And we'll and see football, how hockey football does. is slowly losing its grip. I mean, right. you know, the Eagles coach. I mean, they'll, they'll quarantine and do the things that they need to do you know and then you have all the opt-outs for the patriots but right um you know well, most of the i mean i know a few did, did Kyrie stay out yeah well yeah 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 i think he, he i don't know if he decided he wasn't healthy enough or whatever the official reason was they listed but yeah the official reason is he's Kyrie, and right now they're in eighth place so brooklyn is I, there's no way the Wizards are going to get in because they've lost three games already. So they're, the, you know, Brooklyn's going to be eight. Yeah. The question is going to be what happens with Indiana and Philly. I think that's really the only thing that's still in the air. There's Philly's a game and a half back of fifth um, and has not looked good at all. Indiana has been surprisingly spry uh, despite having Sabonis, uh, you know, sitting and Brogdon for that matter. So, you know, the question is really what's going to happen next 
uh, and whether or not, you know, can Philly get up to five and India drop to three? And to me, I'd rather play Indiana at three without Brogdon uh, uh, still trying to get back Oladipo and, and hopefully no Sabonis. Um, then probably even play, or, well, I guess Orlando without Isaac is probably another story, but I would be one of those three. And then you're playing Toronto, and Toronto's looking good, sure, but, um, you know. Looked I, good I, all year. They, yeah, nothing's new there, right? Um, I don't think we can be, beat them. We can beat I think them. we can. I think they can beat, I think they can beat Milwaukee. I, I really yeah. do. I think. Well, they showed it. It's just going right. to depend on some things. <laughs> like the three guys in gray <laughs> like who they want to see in the finals <laughs> which 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 team gives them i mean i get it they can't totally control it but you've got to be appreciably better to fight upstream against who they think is going to listen make no mistake like every single business out there right now revenue is at a premium and they are going to be gunning for ratings and success. They want this to work, but they need it to work and they need it to generate revenue. The owners are taking a bath, not having those, the, you know, like the TD garden open. It's a major loss of revenue. Who knows how they're going to share in all of that when it's all said and done, when we know how long this whole thing is going to go on. And uh, yeah, so they're, they're, there are more there's more potential. And there's a right way to go with this, which is why I like tournament style, but there's more potential for manipulation. Uh, with a lot of projections about what are the ratings gonna, you know, tell us. I think actually the Celtics might be in one of the better positions. They can benefit from that. Because they don't well, they don't own their Total own. Audience. They're yeah. one of the few that don't own that. And so they're not they're not carrying that millstone around their neck as, as other teams. You know, oh, you mean on the financial side of on things? On the financial side, they're not carrying a they're not carrying the mortgage on on a new arena. So, you know, unlike say the Bucks or, um, you know, I'm just you know I, that was you know recently open opened uh, arena. Um, you know, they're not carrying that now. Some of these guys, who the hell cares? They're billionaires many times over. Um, Celtics don't exactly have the the deepest of pockets, um, even though they're in a, a very good media market. So. Um, that does not, I'm not saying they're poor. I'm not going to pass a can around for the Celtics ownership. I'm just saying that, you know, all things told, it could be worse, you know. Um, and, and the nice thing is, you know, if they win this game, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this here Monday night. Um, they win this game Tuesday uh, against the Heat. Effectively, they're going to have an insurmountable lead over over them for the for the three spot. Basically, yeah, they'll have no one. They're probably going to be number three. In in all likelihood, they land at three. And I'm thinking Indiana, but it's so close with Indiana and Philly. A game and a half is not insurmountable, and given the way Philly has played. You know, so far, I mean, I think they they have a talent to, to certainly overcome where they are. Uh, and Indiana, while they have a talent and they play well, one would think that they wouldn't necessarily be up to that without Sabonis and, again, Brogdon being slowed and Oladipo coming back. You would think that would balance out, but, of course, Philly should have been one of the top teams in the whole conference all year, and they couldn't get their act together. So, How do you think it's going to play out with Horford? Maybe this will be our last topic for the show. Yeah. How do you think it's going to play out for Horford at this point? I mean, now he's on the bench. You know, it's strange times. 
strange money and they have a lot invested to a guy coming off the bench right now that they don't really see as part of the future and i don't know how you trade him i mean that contract it's immovable well it's immovable let's go back to what we just talked about in terms of what's the league gonna do right the league is in a real pickle right because if they can't get 82 games one there's there's and you can't fill arenas that cuts into bri the basketball related income which is going to cut the salary cap which yes you could say well we'll spread it out over five years or ten years or whatever it is you're going to do the problem is that if that cuts that cap You've got Simmons at a max contract. You've got Embiid at near max contract. You've got Tobias Harris with big money. Um, how are they going to make that work? And again, Philly's a team with deep pockets. But those Josh Harris is a guy who made his money. They're sitting on, a, on an asset that's losing, losing money. Oh, I think the league is going to allow for a one-time amnesty clause ha- for every to. team. I think that's going to be part of this whole deal. But the There's amnesty no is just cap related. It still means well, they've got to find the money. But well, they got yeah. But I I think that I think in terms of you know yeah I think they're you going know to. What I'm amnesty. saying I'm just this is what I'm saying. Philly still has to pay Horford. They sure. can get amnesty on the salary cap, but that doesn't mean a team with the amnesty is still going to want to spend you know that right. money not if, on the cap. Right, but if you can't trade him, then what's the point? And if he's hurting your They're team... They're going to have to ride it out with what they have. They're going to be stuck in mediocrity. Will. Listen, here's, here's how the, the, the amnesty... Nah. Oh, you're saying they'll cut him loose and just pay whatever and yeah, that's get, what I think, get free from the... I think that's what's going to happen with a lot of these guys. I think That's you're a lot see, of money, dude. You're, you're going to see DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and I'm just kind of going down the list here. Uh, you know, you're going to see, uh, you know, my, well, it won't be a Linux, but you know, they're going to pay the Pacers. I mean, everybody's going to take these contracts, these bigger contracts they have. I want, you know, John wall for the wizards, you know, they're going to, the league is going to say, Baker, right. Yeah. You got to pay it, but we're going to let you do it. <laughs> Vin Baker, Wasn't yeah. Vin Baker and an then, Amnesty player? Uh, I think they, I think they got out of his or stretch. I don't Yeah. But, but so stretch, yeah. Okay, so what happens if you let Vin, if if you let Al Horford go this summer? What do you do, Boston? You resign him to so the mid-level now. exception. He's oh, still blocking the money, yeah. and then he plays for you and plays his ass off uh, in 25 minutes a game, and then you you know you beat Philly in the conference finals next year. That's oh. what happens. That's totally, <laughs> that's totally not going to happen, but it would be great. Why not? I, if, he had one more, if he had one more good run against Embiid defensively, that would be fantastic. That is totally feasible. That is totally feasible. It I mean, is. It is weird times. You know. So, I think how does it? Hold on. But how does it work for Philly if 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 they just cut Horford? How much of his contract do they have to pay? All of it? Oh, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying. I think that's going to be really hard for a lot of these teams in this financial climate to just eat that, right? I mean, well, but remember, you have a luxury tax that you pay for everybody who's on your cap, so it's not just like you're cutting uh, a dollar. Oh day. no, I get it. The league like, is this is where I'm at. So the league is bailing them out of the luxury tax because they're going to get under it, right? But all they're doing is getting rid of Horford 
early on the money so they're not hurting on the cap you know the year after year after year that still isn't going to create a ton of cap room with basketball related income coming down so it doesn't really this is my point i'm not even sure that that benefits philly i mean Maybe it just allows them two or three, you know, hey, if everything comes back and we get back to normal and the economy starts to recover, or if, 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 and then the salary cap goes up, we can do something with that in the future. But at the end of the day, like, I think Philly is totally screwed. I think they're trapped in, in they're going to be trapped with these large salaries. Um, the, they're going to be capped out. And, and I, and, you know, we talked a lot a year ago about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and the the whole contract negotiation stuff. Jalen Brown winds up going in, you know, gets his deal. And some people are like, oh, man, he could. How smart does he look right now? How smart does Jalen Brown look right now? Maybe he ate a teeny, teeny bit. And now he's playing his butt off. He's got an incentive-lative contract. And he's showing everybody. And he did this before the break and before we came back. It's not not basing this off two games. He showed that he's going to become a go-to player. It's just that they go to Tatum more. But what does that mean for Tatum's contract? Is Tatum still going to get the same or more than Jalen Brown? They'll max him out. Yeah, I think so. I think I think if if there was an amnesty a a one-time amnesty clause. I think you'd be surprised the type of players that would be released from it in this climate. And if it's a star player, and then, and then teams no. would be clamoring to round out their rosters right. with potentially superstar players, not not making a not worth the max deal playing on a mid level. Right. There's going to be so that'll be the worst thing for the NBA product. They'll they'll be a bunch of front running turds all climbing onto one team <laughs> it will it will destroy parody welcome back yeah. mo williams yeah <laughs> <laughs> mo that one's for you that one's for me thanks <laughs> no you're right though i think well i i think yes you're gonna have that I mean, there's only one and, mid-level exception but they'll be taking veteran minimum well you, look at it this of- way al horford gets all of his money on his retirement contract what does he care if he only makes a million? He doesn't sure. even need the mid-level. He might come back to Boston for the veteran exception. I, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think he would. I think. I, I mean, I think he likes his money. I think that's why he left. Uh, a good situation. But you know, part of the reason you, you brought up a good point just a second ago. Part of the reason why I think this bubble and why the NBA is so compelling right now to me, they're doing great ratings and all that stuff. They're all together like it's an all-star game forever. No. No, 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 not like that. Well, yes, that's true, but but there's parity. You know, there are huge gaping issues with the number one team, Milwaukee, right? They have one star, you know, they've got this weird kind of thing. They look good, but they're not unbeatable. We saw that with Houston playing them. You know, the Lakers, they're not. They, they've got issues. Every Every team in this has a major problem, and because of that, the stars are split up. Two here, two here, two here, two here. So as a result, it is. It's wide open. There is no Warriors. Yeah. There's no, you know, heat of 2013, 14. This is, this is, it's anybody's ball game right now. And yeah, the Bucks look great. 
the Raptors look great. They're playing, you know, they're playing good ball, and that's what's going to lead. The Clippers, I think, look good. Um, even in that Laker game, <laughs> what do you think? Good. What do you think Carmelo Anthony has been doing in his free time for the last 15 years that he all of a sudden looks like this when he can't get out on the town? That is really something. Dude, he is so lean. He okay. might get a good, solid year extra out of his career. He's for this. played good. He, he, I mean, he's played well. He looks great. He played he well. Looks great this season. He played well. I don't think he had a great. It was a tough matchup for him yesterday. Um, you know, but if you weren't going against two uh, all-star level young stars, uh, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, you're going to do okay if you're mellow. Uh, so I, I'm happy for him. I, I, you know, I have no ill will there. Uh, I don't either. I'm just saying the change in body, different guy, is totally, to- almost unrecognizable. He's like, it, yeah. Not only is he thin, he's still strong. Yeah. Like it's not like he's emaciated thin. Oh, no, no. no, he's yeah. he's dense. But he's got that body just, type. He has that strong body type too. Like that's. That was one of the reasons I liked him. But he always had a little bit of that. Yep. Like that. Yep. I'm telling you, he, like I, nobody else in the league. Maybe once we start seeing some other teams, you know, I haven't been able to watch every single game. Maybe yeah. we'll start to spot out some of the partiers. But he just has that beer fat <laughs> all over his body. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like he yeah. clearly was a party animal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you just don't get that lean and that few a months and stay strong. Maybe like that's he told me he wasn't eating, you know, and it's it can't be a fast food thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, and maybe it, it's a boredom thing. Maybe he just went bananas on working out because he had nothing else to do. But uh, I'm I'm pointing towards less partying. Well, I, he had to get Lala back, so I don't. I think I think he closed that deal and got her back. But uh, I don't know if that had something to do with it or not. But either way, it's working out well for him. I think it's a good fit there in, in Portland. I'm rooting for them. I really hope that they get that eight seed uh, and really push the Lakers. Cause I think clearly Lillard is a special player. Uh, and, and you know, that whole team, they're, they're, I, they're, they're a team to root for. I like them. I like the way they play. Um, there's a lot of teams really. I, I'm just, there aren't many teams that I don't enjoy. Uh, I would say I don't enjoy watching Utah at all. Um, I don't enjoy watching. I definitely don't enjoy watching Philly. Uh, you know, Indiana can be a slog, you know, never mind, you know, Brooklyn and, and Orlando, but Who the rest do you of the enjoy watching good. the most. Well, that's what outside I'm saying. Of the Celtics. Outside no, outside of the Celtics. of the Celtics. Yeah. Which one? Like, pick. I like them. the Clippers. I like watching the Clippers a lot. Their wings yeah. are switchable. You know, the way Beverly gets after it. I mean, they really are kind of a, uh, not a mirror image, but they're a, a close cousin to the Celtics, which is. Ironic, given the fact that the Celtics official charter in the NBA rests with the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. Um, but but I I really they're kind of I mean, they're the team I think that I most hope uh, does well in the West, uh, you know, and, and and prevents the Lakers from getting there. I'm not saying I'm rooting for Doc. Yeah, I get it. I know. But, I know you hate but, Doc. I, I still know, have a spot for him. But I'm um, I, I he was why he's not one Portland? Why? So, but Portland was fun to watch. You know what I mean? Just sure. Despite the, but man, when Lillard, and, I mean, just dude, CJ McCollum and Lillard when they get going, oh, 
man. They're unstoppable. Like they score so like almost nobody does in the spurts. Yeah. Like the just three after three after three in a forty point third quarter. And I was sitting there. It's probably the first time I'm not like I can't even get mad. Like players right. got a hand in their right. face. Then they're just and as they put more pressure out on the perimeter, they just take two more steps back and keep raining right. and they're not missing. Like right. you can't you can't be mad at the officials during that stretch. No way. You can't be no mad way. at the Celtics defense during that stretch. You yeah. can just appreciate the fact that you can be a little mad at the defense. You they know, they could have done a little more. Yeah, they, they could have done a little more. Yeah, they could have gone still. over some picks instead of under and, right. you know, right. made some adjustments. Exactly. There's no doubt. But but the point is, is. Portland kept making those minor tweaks anyway and finding ways. And, but when they're, I mean, you got to think most players are going to miss one of them. (laughs) Just one. And, and regardless of under the pick, right? Like usually when somebody says, you know, they're going to stop going under the pick. They're going to go over the pick. They're talking about all night long. They're not talking about a five minute stretch in the third quarter when it's just, Splash, splash, splash. 40 and feet, them, 40 feet from the hoop. Bounces, right? Yeah, 40 feet from the hoop they're doing bounces. that. Swish, smooth, yeah. butter. And, they're, they're, they're a ton of fun to watch. You know the other team I do enjoy watching that is not nearly you know, on this plane or as competitive? But I really – I've enjoyed watching Phoenix for a while. Um, I think they're – I think, you know, and, you know, watching Aiton's up and downs and I just – you know, Booker – like, how do you plan against him? Um, you know, and he's always good for a tough night. You're not always happy about it, but I definitely enjoy watching the Phoenix Suns. And, and you know, it's not not for the greatness of necessarily basketball, but it, it reminds me of, a you know, almost like our young developing team and what I enjoy about that. And, you know, there's plenty of young players to enjoy watch develop over there. So. Yeah, I Philly I, Phoenix is is fun. I like Phoenix. Um, they're so I mean they're not good enough, but I think this this bubble is really serving to set them up for their next year. They're right. they're too way too far out of it to catch up. I mean they've won both games and they're you know four games back right now of of Memphis. It's feasible but not likely. But yeah, they're you know they've they've definitely got a a, a bright future. Of course, you, you know you're rooting for Baines in that case as well. So uh, that's always fun. Um, but not so not so bright of a future. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, it's a little bit more long in the tooth for that club. But well, yeah, and but you root for him. former yeah, former solid, you know. Former, you know, former C that you got to root for those guys and especially those that have done well. And seriously, uh, who know. hates Australians? Nobody. Right. Exactly. No, What's wrong with Ben you? Simmons. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my All right, God. man, let's wrap it. All right. Well, one thing I just wanted to say, we, I, I wanted, this is kind of our, uh, uh, we're going to talk about our, uh, are we going to do an outtakes? Is this our outtakes? Is this what we're doing? Yeah, let's do it. I'll wrap it, and then we'll do an outtakes. All right. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast application. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And, um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. There you go. <laughs> the Celtic <laughs> Stuff Live. There you go. 
All right, for so my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Fuller. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. There you go. Has it been two, has it been two months? Maybe. So, we would have words open. That was all from memory for the first time. That's, that's not good. Bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. They probably everybody probably thinks you do that without reading it. They probably don't even realize that that's you know that takes you doing some serious um, you know work on your I part. I think I think if we had been consistent week after week, I You'd could probably not have it and it's doable. Yeah. But that wasn't too bad. Sammy, Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media. Oh, Samuel with CLNS Media. We I don't know. We keep Sammy shouting him out. Four years. Yeah. We should probably shout somebody else. We should pick like somebody else at CLNS Media each show. Yeah, Sway, you know. John Zanis, what's up, John? Shouts the Trags. I mean, you know, I don't know. Whatever we're going to do. I'll say, I'll give a shout out to Guy. Oh, there you go. Oh, the guy. Yeah, guy probably doesn't right. get enough love. Really. Literally the guy behind the scenes. Literally the yes, absolutely. I like that. Oh, That's yeah. a good idea. Shout out to guy. You know what we should do, and this is one thing we used to do. And, and I have one thing I want to talk about, but it's a very quick thing. We should do our what we think is going to happen the rest of the week, Justin. This is kind All of right. our thing. Keep me up. How many games until? All right. So we've got. Let's just go till Sunday, okay? Okay. Yep. So we've Play got Miami. Brooklyn. Win. Okay. Miami's a win tomorrow, Tuesday. Yep. Yep. Brooklyn, back-to-back, uh, Wednesday. Oh. They'll win. Brooklyn's played us tough this season, but... Here's the toughest the Here's the toughest game. Toronto. And then yep. Orlando on Sunday. Win-win-loss-win. Um, Win-win-loss-win. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think right. it's back-to-back. I just, you know, I know... I feel like Toronto gets that win just to make if if the Celtics go win win, you know Toronto puts the nail in the coffin with a win. That's kind of their. I don't even know if we'll be that close at that point if they if Toronto keeps winning. How many games behind Toronto? Uh, one, I, one, I don't know how many games they want. Right now the Celtics are two and a half games behind Toronto. That's what I thought. Was, oh, I'm sorry. Know, I'm sorry. Four. I'm sorry. Four. I was looking at the Miami. Oh, four. Four. Okay. Eh, it's pretty unlikely anyway. Does, does Toronto shut it down at that point? Yeah, that happen? would be a shutdown. That would be a statement game. Win, win, loss, win. Win, win, loss, win. Okay. Yeah. I'm also, I'm, I'm, you know, I like the idea of, of having a loss this week. I, I think that it's, I, <laughs> I think, well, I like what I'm saying too. is, I think, I think that they're with the back to back. I think you're not going to see many starters against Brooklyn on Wednesday. I think you're going to see them play a lot. It's a Kembalist game, most likely. I, I think so. And I think, I actually, I think they'll go three and one, but I think they're going to actually lose to Brooklyn. Um, and there just always seems to be a weird thing about the Brooklyn Nets that the Celtics always seem to have something there. I don't know. Uh, what it is, but you know, I, I think I think the Celtics are going to go and they're going to want to have a statement against Toronto. I think Boston's going to want that game against Toronto more than Toronto is going to want to make that statement against Boston. You know, yeah, I maybe. think Boston, look, be watching us, we're coming for you. You know, yeah. I, I think that's going to be important. Oh, and that is an away game, just so you know, but no customs <laughs> needed on Friday. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, that that the whole 
the whole uh, you know back to back thing, I don't even think means anything now. You yeah, because you're not hopping on a plane and traveling to your next city. Like I think the back to back. I mean, what's what's I I think it's minimal impact. I I I think that the reason why I think it might have some impact is I think he would he's going to play his rotations differently. Like he played. You look at where they who they played. They played nine players against against Portland, which far fewer than what they played, and certainly the mix of of minutes very heavy with the starters and and smart. Almost nothing, you know, with the bench. I mean, I think Wanamaker had nine minutes. Um, you know, no nothing for Romeo. Uh, very few minutes for Shemi. Uh, I I think that they're gonna probably have a similar sort of approach against the Heat. Uh, they won't play as many bigs. Yeah, I think you'll see less minutes for uh, for Cantor and maybe more for for uh, you know Grant Williams or or Shemi in that case. Uh, but yeah, I I think that they'll the one reason that they would um, you know, the back-to-back is less, but more of they're going to go heavy in that Tuesday game, and they're not going to want to, you know, have their starters kind of doubling up. That's my yeah. That's my I, I I think I I wouldn't worry about it with the young guys. And and Hayward looks he had a little bit of spring. He's he's got a little he bit did. of his leap back, so I think he's a lot more confident. I think a little rest was a good thing heading into the postseason for him. But I think I think Kemba's the only guy you really see. Take a back seat and potentially just a D, you know coach's decision DNP and especially because Smart's playing so well, why not give him a game to stay hot? You know. Um, all right. So what was the thing you did want to talk about? I'm just sick. Of, I'm just sick and tired. I, I, I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast today and I just he just the stuff he's saying and I'll just I'll just isolate the Celtics section alone. I mean, really, he can't understand why we're not getting more out of the 2020 draft at this point. I'm like, fella, I don't what? know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah, he, he or 20, 2019 draft. Oh, you okay. Know? I was like, what? what, what he can't happen? understand why. You know, why aren't we getting more out of Romeo? Why aren't we getting more out of you know Carson? And why aren't we getting more out of Grant Williams? And I'm like, I, I don't really get Carson. it. Carson. Like, Right. Are we really are we really like worried about that at this point? Like, I mean, sure. Yeah, I want everyone. I want, you know, I want all stars every position and all this. But like, really, is that is that the issue? Did we almost lose that game to Portland because our bench wasn't good enough? I mean, I don't think that was really the problem, you know. Um, So I I just thought that was really a dumb, dumb argument to have. And and he just he doesn't know how to. It is. It's a dumb take. I'll tell you what. Anybody who says Theus. Well, they're talking about Daniel Tice. That's your sign. You're talking to an idiot. And Wait, Kel- hold on. He calls him Daniel Theus. Theus. Yeah. Bill Simmons doesn't even pronounce Daniel Tice's name correctly. Yeah, you got it. As a joke. He, and I or believe like he shit doesn't know. No, he doesn't know. Oh, that's horrible. Doesn't know. For the guy who built his name on Boston sports, who claims to be a gigantic Celtics fan, he can't even say Tice. A little weird. It's a little weird. Like, look, I I get it. No, he's one, not watching. He's doing other shit. If you're holding, him. if you're holding yourself up to be the end all be all, just know the guy's name. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. all. That's all. Wow. Yeah. That's well, all. I, I'll that's tell you what. Grant, Grant Williams. Grant Williams is great, but he's a down the depth rotation situational guy. And and he was when we drafted him. Nobody expected him to be a starter. That that. There's potential there. Mm-hmm. Guys do it, but they didn't. They didn't draft guys with upside. They've never drafted guys 
for upside potential late in the draft, save for maybe Rondo. They've almost always gone with once their core pieces were in place is the best way to say this. Once the core pieces are in place, they always draft guys that they can either stash or they draft guys that can play some rotational minutes throughout the season, round out the depth and be good in the locker room. And Grant Williams is all of those things, but he is not an all-star rookie. And, you know, he's got lots of skills and I'm not trying to downplay him. I'm just saying that's ludicrous because I don't think anybody expected that for him, even on this roster where we knew that there would be minutes and he got some minutes, you know, that's why, because there's minutes at those positions. Canner played really well in the first two games too, by the way. And then you've got uh, Romeo, like they had to fix his jump shot coming in and he plays the most, most loaded position on the team. So uh, again, I, do you want to say that they should have played Romeo instead of, of uh, Shemi? I mean, the answer against Milwaukee is an absolute no, because historically Shemi's done a nice job of giving us some spot rotational minutes defensively against Giannis. So you're smoking crack. If you're going to Romeo Langford in that rotation there, maybe you, maybe you say would have been nice to give him some minutes in, in Portland, but they're just him, Carson Edwards. There's just no minutes for the guys. And especially when you're trying to build chemistry heading into the postseason with a limited amount of floor time. You're right. Stupidest thing ever. Well, and and just just to to put a finer point on this, you know, I mean, the 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 person that they keep pointing to is, you know, Matisse Stiebel and, and, and Brandon Clark, who have both had excellent rookie seasons. They've played well. They look great. You know, but again, Matisse Stiebel and and Grant and and uh Brandon Clark are almost 24 years old, 23, 24 years old. Grant is 21. And, and yeah. maybe that doesn't matter, but you're going to have control of, of Grant Williams until he's 26 years old. Tybal is going to be 28 years old when he's at the end of his contract. So you've already got, you know, maybe that's great to have their rookie deal, but you're, it's, you're not playing on the same, the same, uh, the Level. same, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's apples and oranges. And so, you know, if someone is even close at a uh, two years younger, uh, level, then you're, you're benefiting from that. So look, I, I get it. But again, right now, and you don't know what's going to happen. Celtics are drafting now. players exactly. for depth and, because the key pieces are there. Thibel actually, you know, had a shot at rotational minutes sure. on that roster. Fits a missing cog, you know, and I just don't not think here. not here. You've got point guard locked up. You've got shooting guard locked up. You've got small forward locked up. You've got power forward locked up. You can argue Grant Williams should play center, but you can argue way against that very quickly at the center position in the That's NBA, especially as a rookie yeah. and especially as a guy who doesn't even have the length. I mean, he's strong. And he does have a good wingspan, despite the fact that he's not as tall. And it is a smaller, you know, center league. But that's precisely why somebody who's been around like Tice, who's still somewhat young, who came over from overseas, is a perfect fit. You know, and Cantor and spot minutes against guys like Nurkic that, you know, presented a good matchup to try to gobble those boards and and not give up a ton. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, all right, dog. There we go. We did it. If you're still listening, that was definitely not a quick return oh. from Celtic Stuff Live, so you're welcome. There you go. <laughs>
Oh. All right. I'm calling it. I'm going to bed.